Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Today's conversation is with a dear friend of mine, Elizabeth Hayes, also known as Miss Magic, and you guys will get to understand why. So the chat is a little different than our normal conversation, but I really, really wanted to speak with Liz because she has such a unique perspective on life and just our humanity. We are going to jump right into the conversation. You're going to see we just kind of hop right into everything as though we're just having coffee. But I really wanted Liz to inform us on these concepts of the inner child and the inner being in regards to nature. It's basically a chat about life as this giant gardening analogy. And some people we will say, will think this is a little woo-woo. Um, but I will tell you, coming from someone who identifies um, in traditional spiritual ways, this is all just a part, I believe, of the human experience and getting to just enhance our time here on earth. So I wanted to have Liz guide us through just an interesting perspective on why nature is important, what gardening means to me, how she views it. We touch on Waldorf education a little bit, um, how to cultivate listening to your inner child and really the family unit as a garden. It's a nuanced conversation. It's an in-depth conversation. I think you guys are going to absolutely love Liz. Good morning, beautiful Miss Liz. How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled to be here. So thrilled. I'm so excited to have you here. You're one of my favorite humans in existence. And I think part of it is I feel like when we got to know each other, it was instant, like friends forever, like as though we had been friends for 20 years. Like, I feel like I can pick up with you at a moment's notice and we're just in it. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. 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 For for sure. Like soulmate vibes, for sure. Familiarity, lots of mutuality. Oh my God. It's so fun. I love it. I just got the chills. Okay. So I want to set the stage for everybody very first and foremost. Where are you physically right now? Oh, I'm physically in Puerto Rico in a house. Okay. (laughs) In a house. I'm in a penthouse to be exact in Puerto Rico. We are um, in Rio Grande, which is the rainforest and the ocean. Amazing. I've never been to Puerto Rico, but the reason I ask is because you also split your time between Buffalo, New York. Yes. Yeah. Still? Yes. Ish. Yes. But you're in Puerto Rico right now. I wasn't sure. And that's a whole story in itself, which is so incredible. But it's actually what's interesting to me is you're oscillating between two really different climates. Super, super different climates. Um, in I would say the the biggest surprise about the two climates is the light, which sounds Mm. so crazy. But here in Puerto Rico, before I moved here, I had no idea. But since we are centrally located on the the planet and the on the globe, (laughs) however you're describing that, like all the time, every day is 12 hours of light and 12 hours of night. So it's like very consistent. It it shifts by minutes, but like a 6 a.m. to a 6 p.m. Where in mm. Buffalo, we're, we are four season. And so four seasons um, there, we have, you know, very dark winters and very bright summers. So when we're here in Puerto Rico in the summer, um, back home in Buffalo, it still has like four additional hours of of light. And it was an odd thing. I moved here with my family. I'm a mother of five children. So we're a family of seven. And about seven years ago, 
we moved here. Um, when I was young and birthing my babies, I think I maybe had given birth to my third child at the time. There was a family in my neighborhood that was inspiring and they took their family abroad. Like, I don't even think they know how inspiring they were to me. <laughs> and it dropped a seed in me like, oh, someday we're going to be a family that studies abroad. And so, um, didn't think much about that and life went on and we had our fourth baby and then we had our fifth baby and um, I have like a funny thing. So when I'm pregnant, I feel like I have a lot of freedom and then um, I grow, we grow the baby, birth the baby, and then I'm a breastfeeder. And so the baby's like with me for like 18 months, um, like 24 seven basically is what it feels like. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then they kind of join the pack. And so our uh, youngest at the time was like, we were getting close to like ending that cycle and he was um, going to join the pack. And I just had this awakening like the divine does to us. And it was like, hey, remember that idea of study abroad? Like this is the time to do it. Like your oldest is currently in seventh grade and um, it would be the time to do it while he's in eighth grade and your baby isn't a baby. And so here you are. Um, anyways, and then through a series of like serendipitous moments, it ended up being Puerto Rico, which is shocking to us, but it was like a bunch of seeded things throughout our life. Like the first time my husband and I traveled, it was in the Caribbean and it was like, ooh, someday I'm going to own a place in the Caribbean. And then um, for one of his birthdays, we were like skiing um, in Deer Valley at the St. Regis and they had St. Regis residences and we're like, someday we're going to be a St. Regis resident. And then that someday we're going to study abroad. And then he was in New York City and he met a guy and he was like, hey, there's like a cool business opportunity for you in um, Puerto Rico. And then we were like, what is this our like study abroad Caribbean St. Regis residence? And I live at the same age as in Puerto Rico. <laughs> so the answer was yes. And here we are. And then here we are. And we thought it would be for one year. And um, that year we moved down. So when we came to check out the place, my youngest turned two. So we had the idea okay. like before he turned two. So it was like the fall of 2016. And then in March of 2017, we came here to like introduce the kids to the area and Wes turned two. And um, anyways, the year that we moved, we were in two hurricanes. We were in Hurricane Irma, which oh my gosh. is rare. And then we had Hurricane Maria, which was gigantic. And so anyways, that caused us to to go back to Buffalo. And this is maybe good because you probably have a bunch of moms listening in. Hello, if you are a beautiful mother too, but it was um, this odd moment where I was like, wait, are we done? Like, like, is this what this experience was or mm. are we wanting more? And then it was really this thing where I was sensing like, is it okay to take my kids away and like make them do this? Like I was trying to make a good choice for the collective group for oh us goodness. as this like yeah. family of seven. And it was like really interesting to me. And um, anyways, my favorite teacher in the whole world is Abraham Hicks, um, which mm -hmm. is all about the law of attraction. And so I actually went to a workshop of theirs and had a hot seat with them. And I was like, hey, I'm making this decision. And it was like, if you make the decision from your internal place with the inner being, the inner being includes everyone. The inner being is aware of the inner beings of your family. And so you can trust the internal decision that it's inclusive of the best for the best for everybody. It doesn't mean that when you present the idea, everyone is going to be in the emotional place up to speed. Like, yes, I'm happy about this, but it does mean that this is going to be of service and good for everybody. Okay. Wait. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I just had a personal 
light bulb moment in you explaining that. It was um, huge. It was like a giant epiphany because when we become mothers and we'll go into my work, but I'm obsessed. I, I am an advocate for the inner child. I was born seeing the under, inner child, understanding the inner child. And now in my um, current profession, I translate the inner relationship between the inner child and the inner being. And so when we become mothers, our inner child activates in a whole new way. And in a way we get to do life again. The inner child gets to experience life from birth and like all of those stages and phases of life. And so often we're wanting to do life better. We're wanting to include the things that were good for us. And we're wanting to do it the way we fantasized about it possibly being done as a child. And so it was really important for me. I'm like, I'm not wanting to create trauma or problems or Mm, all of mm, these things mm. by being adventure family because we had and have a very beautiful life in Buffalo. We weren't leaving it out of discomfort. This was an enhancement. Mm. And to some of my children, it didn't feel that way at first. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have so many things to unpack with you just right now. And then I promise we're going to catch everyone up. Okay. So first thing I want to touch on is the fact that you are so aware of the light. And I don't think I was truly aware of the way the light plays a role in my, my life, my awareness until I started gardening because I started really paying attention to the way the light was hitting the land and like creating these little my garden is so nuanced, like where I love finding these tiny little microclimates because the sun hits something a certain way and creates shade and creates like a little opportunity for me to place something unusual or unexpected or out of season that's going to do well just because the sun and the way the light is playing. And then as I did more research into gardening, there's like certain places where they have this Persephone period where you're getting too little light to grow things in the cool season or like in the winter season. Um, but I think the way light even plays a role in our memory, like there are certain times of day, I think it's between like three and four where like that afternoon light gives me this beautiful, nostalgic, comforting feeling. And I find myself really seeking out like quiet time where I can experience and like let that light sort of wash over me. And it's definitely been something in my adulthood that I'm like leaning into is this whole like concept of being aware of the light. But um, so I want to just touch on, I love that you, that that impacted you, those differences, because I think that that is something biological that we have, you know, our response to the light. It's incredible. Your awareness and your magic and your garden is so inspiring. I would actually say that the shift in the light could be both. It, it could be a um, a triggering type of of feeling that that could activate like some negative emotion, or or it could it could be an activator of like beauty and grace. And I think that is a fascinating thing to just take a moment to pay <laughs> attention with. Cause living in uh Buffalo, like a four season type of place with like the darker winters, there's a lot of like anxiety that comes up like with the darkness. And when yeah. I first noticed um, the light here in Puerto Rico, like, and, and it was so steady in the way that it was, I didn't like it. It was a huge part of when we moved here. That was a bit of a loss to me. Like I didn't like that. It was dark. Like it's black out at six o'clock. Mm, like we're, obviously it's full on sun, you know, it's like, it's also always 80 in the eighties. So <laughs> full on sun, but then Around um, 6 to 7, and here at the St. Regis, we have a ritual at 6 p.m. where, um, so between 6 and 7 is when the sun sets, but at 6 p.m. we have um, a champagne saber every week or every day to honor the transition between oh my gosh. day and night. And so um, it's, it's not just like, oh, it's 
the sun is going down, it's like, no, it's black. And the dogs are going crazy. Like, I'm actually going to photograph it and tag it on Instagram because of this. Yes, please. But it, like, goes black. And then, so as a mom of five, like, our habit when we lived in Buffalo was, like, kids would go to school. And then you would have activities after school. And you would then get home, you know, and have dinner and whatever. And maybe it was dark at, like, eight. But But to really... For it to be black at 630, it just really mm. like kind of screwed with me for a while. I could see that. And I think that it's just, it's so interesting. I'm working on this really big secret project right now. And I'm constantly having this tug of war about like the experience that people have globally with the sun, the seasons, the warm season versus the cool season. Because when you're talking about gardening, you're kind of always dancing around the frost and the winter because that is where your boundary is. Um, If you have that, where I am, probably where you are, there isn't, we don't have, you know, boundaries that are the same. But I mean, this is a global thing. Like everybody's got a different climate and we're working with different tools and different circumstances all to have a similar outcome. And so I think it's really interesting, but it creates this interesting paradox. But um, okay, so what I'm super, super excited about today is to talk about nature in general in regard to the inner child and the inner being, which is your life's work. It's your gifting. It's your magic. Um, And there are so many ways we could approach this, but you and I, I think both agree that we sort of don't like the whole like woo woo commentary. I think we both feel like it's just a a groundedness and sort of an experience of life that once you begin to understand can really, really honestly change everything. But the first, I want to set everybody at what I feel like is sort of the beginning of your and my story is we we got to know each other through Instagram, like good old DM style. But you asked me a question that that kind of changed the way I view the world. No joke. And you asked what? me, you said one day, you're like, hey, are you a Waldorf mom? And I was like, so two things. One, I was like, well, no, but yes. So I definitely feel like I raise my kids like Waldorf style but I don't send my kids to a Waldorf school. And in that, I actually have like, and you know this, a ton of guilt about that. Like where I think I feel like that's like the best thing you could do for your kids, but it doesn't quite align with our family and our dynamic um, yet or at all. We're not sure, but you were like, yeah, just the way that I've kind of observed you with the kids, like you seem so conscious of sort of like the inhale and exhale component of day and setting rhythms and being with nature. And you had sent your kids through the Waldorf program and it just started this beautiful conversation between us. Um, But I didn't really know much about it. So I was like, I want to investigate what she's talking about. And it's led me into, I truly view our days now and the seasons in regard to our life in general in this way of inhales and exhales. And like, you know, we're all sort of engaging or releasing and, you know, going through these rhythms. And that's really helped me orient my family in a way that's more in alignment with nature. Um, So does that make sense? Oh my God, I'm covered in chills. Uh, (laughs) yes I'm obsessed first of all I just want to say I feel like we need our own like podcast season like a little series of six conversations or something like that that's like first off the bat I'm like oh my god there's no way that this one is the only one that we're doing yes agreed Um, so yeah I love that let's talk about this of being a Waldorf mom, like even that was interesting that I had reached out to you to you in the way. So first, I just want to say that I'm uh, personally not largely attached to context. So like the nature of me is massively take what you like and leave the rest. 
So I am all <laughs> in on me person, but I'm not an all in on any type of system or anything like that. So it's yeah. really interesting that I am a Waldorf mom because like I, I send my children to, um, Waldorf, all five of our kids have had moments at the Waldorf school. And even the way that we navigate that, like my children would be born. And I was like, oh, are you a Waldorf or Montessori early childhood person? And like mm. I had my first two were Montessori and then my third was Waldorf. And then the other kids swooped into Waldorf with her. And then my fourth was um, a Montessori. And then Wes, we were living here in Puerto Rico. And so when we moved to Puerto Rico, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do something revolutionary because I'm so about individuality. I'm like, I'm going to put all five of my kids in the same school. <laughs> Whereas everyone else on the planet is like, I just want to take my kids to one school and like not worry about right. it. Right. So, so we go to one school and it was so interesting as time was going on and my daughter was in traditional kindergarten and then it started to like boil up inside of me. Like I was just screaming like, Waldorf, Waldorf, Waldorf. And then we had the hurricane, which was so perfect because it brought us back to Buffalo and we navigated things that way. And then when we came, came back in 2018, both, um, my two littles went to Waldorf school here in Puerto Rico in Spanish, which I do not speak Spanish. So anyways, that's, that's a whole thing, but the notion of rhythm Let's like expand that a little bit and let's also expand um, when we're talking about nature and spirituality and and the world, like we're talking about nature intelligence and then the, the nature, the naturalness of humanity. And so when I teach about the inner child and the inner being, I'm not giving you some concept that you can agree with or not i'm i'm actually presenting the natural flow of, <laughs> of what it means to be a human and so let's go there a little bit so um my understanding of the inner child is not um limited to the psychological understanding of the inner child meaning that in psychology it's often presented as a subconscious part of us that that is um, from the past, maybe. And the way that the inner child is to me is that the inner child is the part of us that that desired to be alive right now, here, now, in this lifetime. It was the part that was so eager to come to the planet and be present now. And it is the part of us that is connected to every emotion that we experience. And it is the, the human part of us that is living in this reality here and now. It is the part that's interacting and in everything that we do every day. It's the part that's talking. It's the part that is cooking and gardening and doing all of this. I see that human part of us as the inner child. That's the way that I describe it. And then the inner being is um, our people could use a lot of different words for this, but it is the inner voice. It is the unconditional um, part of us that is part of source energy, part of the universe um, that is infinite, that is only love, that is our cooperative component. It is the part of us that whispers um, our intuition. Um, so there, those are the two parts. And then the part that I love growing awareness about is the communication between the two. And the communication between the two is happening all of the time. And it's so fun to grow our awareness of this inner communication that we all have. It's the flow between you and you. It's how your life is created. It is um, how you manifest 
things. It is, it is uh, the awakening of this is how you become a deliberate creator. And the thing that I had noticed about you, just even in relationship to the gardening or in your parenting, is this openness. It's conscious, it's deliberate, it's intentional, it's on purpose. And so that was probably why I was like, are you a Walmart mom? Like (laughs) doing all the mainstream things. You're not like all into technology or Mm. um, yeah. Anyways, in these gorgeous ways, you're aware of the rhythm of nature intelligence. And, and it's so fascinating that to me that your largest, um, maybe self awakener is the garden. And so I'm, I'm sensing that you learn so much about yourself and about humanity and about nature through plants, through, through totally. all, all of that. Yes. I was thinking about this and I think that what it really was is I found a place in the garden where I was in this, in a flow state, um, matched with like this total freedom to make mistakes and to experiment and to just not know. And therefore to build my intuition from the absolute ground up. And so the garden for me was like this massive playground. And this is where like the inner child and the inner being come into play, where the perfectionism layer of me, the type anus, like that is not who I am. I project that. I think to people that don't know me, even friends that do, they think think I'm really organized and like have it all together. That's a construct. Like that was something I learned to do to make everyone around me really comfortable and to get validation and to be successful. But at my core... I'm someone who's like massively creative and like kind of sloppy and just like super present actually. Um, But that doesn't always translate well into like, you know, modern ladder climbing success. So it's sort of been this like unraveling, but the garden for me was like, okay, I can literally do anything I want. And for sure, like things are going to live, they're going to die. But like, I have an opportunity to, I, I was able to reteach myself how to learn from an intuitive place where I like did, I did this surface level research. I read one book that like, so it, it like jumped at me off the shelf. I read one book. Um, it was called the postage stamp garden. And I've like talked a lot about it from this vintage bookstore. I was with my dad, like right before he died. And I read it and it was like about biodynamics and about organic gardening and, um, high intensity gardening dating back to French market gardeners. And it was just like, so perfect. Like it just hit me right. And then I went out and just did And it was just like so unattached even to the outcome because I was so in love with the process. And I think there's this biological connection. I know that this is fact, like science, that humans need to be interfacing with the land and with the soil and with the dirt. But it allowed me, my innermost child and being together to really be in communication and, and I could hear the inner being, I could hear my intuition, but I could also play you know, and just like be okay with like being wrong because it's it's not wrong. It's just learning, you know? Okay, all of this is so gorgeous. And can we just like pause in the comfort of like some things are going to live and some things are going to die? Oh, yeah. Like, that's so profound. Well, the thing about gardening that, and I've like been thinking about this in regards to life because I also, I mentioned my dad, I had like the most gorgeous experience of being with him when he passed away. But I'm in a phase right now where I'm photographing the garden a lot. And what I'm really doing is I'm just trying to gracefully manage its death. Yeah, in a, yeah. like, and so, but isn't that, yeah. isn't that kind of what we're all doing? I mean, because, you know, not to go deep and like not to get morbid, but like, that's kind of the experience, right? It just gracefully, beautifully, fully, presently, purposefully manage the decline. Oh my gosh. This is wrapping into the clarity that that I had had about making the decision for for our family of seven of of yeah. here to Puerto Rico. It was I'm going to make this decision and some are going to be happy and some are not. Mm. Same like it's like the plant. It's like here is my family and in any given moment some are going to be happy 
and some are like not. And then well, for sure. switch and move and do all of that. And if I wait until everything is going to like live or be happy, like it's that's fake. It's like living yeah. in your connection. Yeah. Like you you can't be quote unquote perfect in the garden, meaning measuring outcomes in in a traditional way. Like a perfect garden is the motion of it, which to me the the perfection or enlightenment in humanity is the comfort in the movement between our emotions. Mm-hmm. Not only staying like the perfect red tomato. It's mm-hmm. only happy. It's not only I see the purpose of this. It's not only yes. It involves the failure. It involves the contrast. It involves the death. The I didn't like this. The I'm never doing this again. And just even from my experience, if I'm using my family as my garden, as we've lived like our seven years, um, including Puerto Rico, there are seasons where the kids like love it. And there are seasons that it did activate a lot of trauma for them. And then it's fascinating. My older kids, I now have two that are in college and the one who resisted Puerto Rico the most was just here for three weeks this summer and like didn't want mm. to live, leave. Mm. Like has this insane appreciation. <laughs> and my husband and I are dying laughing. We were like, you were the resistance. <laughs> well, isn't that just life too? I'm like, my parents just like watch me every day. I was like so anti-nature as a kid and like they were dragging me on hikes and now I'm like desperate for it. So that's just life. That's hysterical. So what I wanted to say about what I think you've done really beautifully. So I think we all have this comparison experience where we're like looking at the way someone else does something. You from the outside looking in, it's like, oh my God, she's so like gentle and graceful and intuitive and like flowing and the family's going here, this and that and the other. But what I think you've done a really great job of, and and this is just all going to be a massive garden versus life analogy, but is you built a foundation of resilience. And that is what the garden needs too. That's what the planet needs is like nature without the imposition of like the gardener trying to control everything and be like an apex predator all the time is designed to be incredibly resilient. Like the soil, the foundation of all of it um, knows how to cultivate the plants with this like beck and call system. And I think it's our imposition that disturbs that. But what I, and what I think you've done really well, and this even ties back to the education piece of it is, you know, that you're good, even if you make a decision that rocks the boat, like the family is resilient enough to figure it out. And I think that my husband and I have this conversation all the time where it's like, we can't create the perfect environment all the time for our kids, but also like we shouldn't because they need to be resilient to overcome the realities of life. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I <laughs> I had like another hot seat with Abraham about this too, because as we live um, at the St. Regis, like I literally live on vacation sometimes um, and have dominantly lived on vacation for for chunks of time. It was like, is it okay that mm. our kids are used to so much ease? So mm. this is funny. So so it it's this duality of all of it. Like where I was like, oh, is it okay that my kids have so much ease? Like I was born into a petri dish of like human suffering. And that Mm. was perfect for me because I'm freaking obsessed with understanding humanity and, and alignment and all of it. And so it was like the perfect experiment for me, even, even though it had a lot of hardship. And then as I'm in this complete contrasting environment. Like, is it okay that my children live in a luxury hotel? Like, yeah. is that okay? Is it okay that like they could get ice cream whenever they want and they have infinite amount of friends and they come home and they're in the ocean and they're doing this and they're doing all of that. And so this 
this, um, I like this because both my husband and I are like gritty. Like we, we are self-starters, self, self-making. You're from Buffalo. Yes, <laughs> you have like to be. <laughs> knowing like zero. We're knowing like the starting from zero. And so yeah. this is like just like a much larger conversation of like, well, what is, what does life look like where you're, you're zero mm. and a ton of comfort? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Pleasure and a ton of well-being and, and sort of like, that. And then, yeah. Yes. So we have similar conversations as well, because I think I, at least I know, I have this belief that like good, and this is going to maybe make everyone like shake, but like good character is built through like overcoming hard things. <laughs> and hardship, I know. Like, but like, maybe that's just not it. it. Doesn't you happen. know, like that was just my experience. I know. I think that's an attachment. So first of all, no human, no human is born not experiencing contrast. So like even how good something is, we're always in an internal negotiation and navigation and life always has contrast. Like you can't escape it. And so there's no reason to compare like higher or lower or whatever states of contrast and hardship and how beautiful if if the foundation of well-being is given to you and that you are born into that and now you get to go into higher states. And mm. the state doesn't need to be around um, surviving and you you get to really be in a place of being and thriving. And so it's it's wildly fascinating. Like just this last week, we have my daughter who was grown and born to me, who's like the queen of abundance. Like I was just born internally rich is like what it felt like to me in an environment that was... Um, dominantly navigating lack and survival, that there was this inner feeling of me of being born rich and abundant. And and it's a place that I could access. And so my daughter is having that all the time. And then we have like a visitor come and they they are, it's a different negotiation. And so they're both like entering college in in these different places and they're going to each create like gorgeous lives. But the things they're focused on are different. Yeah. Like they're really different. Like I'm calibrating my daughter to like the easiest transition in college, um, making, making friends in a joyful way, like activating in her, um, large, large senses of like pleasure and purpose, like everything that survival things are like taking care of for her. And so she's getting to tune in these other ways, like how she's going to be of service into the world. And so, it's like a huge topic to to talk about, but also I don't I don't ever feather the nest for my kids. Like I I like them to have to figure out. So like the example of coming to Puerto Rico and being like, oh, I'm aware that there's going to be discomfort. Like it's uncomfortable to move to a place, even if the school is taught in English, but everyone socializes in a language that you don't understand. So Mm -hmm. all the socializing is in Spanish and, and, and there's some education in English. And so there, there were a lot of experiences that they had coming here that were not easy and they weren't always easy to watch them experience them. Uh, like one of my daughters was like literally the star of her Waldorf class, like just this like glowing bright light and then came to a place and was an outsider and was cast mm. as like a backup in the play because they didn't know that she's like amazing and not just at um, performing, but she's amazing at like organizing and direct, like they didn't know her. And so mm. she got like a basic role, like it was super insulting to her. And these are things that then like 
made her lay in her bed for like a few months. And like, even I didn't even notice because this was like a very shiny child that I was like, oh, she's going to adapt so well. Like I've never had to think of things like this for her. And then Mm. I needed to pay attention and be like, whoa, like what's going on? And she's like, I don't know what's going on. Like, this is hard. This is hard Mm. for me. And then it was this gorgeous moment where with COVID, a lot of people moved to our island, but with COVID, we actually pivoted. And my oldest was like, hey, um, because of all this drama on the island, like, can I go back home and like live out the rest of the things that I had seeded um, like when I was 10 years old and graduate from from the high school I want to graduate from? And I was like, totally. So that activated a pivot for some of my other children. And this one daughter, she then decided to go to high school in Buffalo. And after the first day, she was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be like popular again. Like, oh, well, like, where she are. And she was like, no, I literally, like, I knew I would be internally between me and me, like, in her own language, like, popular, but I didn't know that anyone else would ever know it again. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, this is insane. And so the life lessons that have come out of uh, atmosphere that had, like, part luxury and like whatever, but like part crazy deep self-discovery. And I think the lessons like we don't even know, like that same person like is young and she studied abroad in Australia this year, like as a a 10th grader, like that was like a, it's like, oh, and then like, they're like knowing how to navigate newness in a different way. So I guess you're like, well, what do you mean? That's like grit and that is hardship, but it's like not the same as I knew it where like I'm mm-hmm. actually hungry as a child. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and I think that is really the gift of sort of breaking generational trauma is like you said, we're not without contrast. We're not without challenge. It just becomes a new challenge. And if I feel like if us as parents are doing I feel like my, I'm doing a good job as a parent if I'm breaking some of those hardships. And but and yet, it doesn't mean we're getting rid of hardship. We're just learning how to navigate new hardships. We're not having to repeat the past over and over again. And we can move towards a brighter future. So like the, you know, you're talking, I feel like about evolution, you know, like emotionally evolving. And so there's safety, there's comfort, there's nurturing, you know, everyone's got full bellies and tons of love. So now we are allowed to ascend in a different way. So I want to circle back to the nature side of it um, and hear about what makes, like, I know nature is something that you believe to be really important. So I want to hear now that we've really laid the groundwork for sort of the human experience, (laughs) I would love to hear your perspective on the nature layer and component, because I know anyone here listening is going to be passionate about nature, but I think having a deeper understanding of why helps us all allow it a lot more. Mm, I love this so much. So um, this is so interesting where I'm like sharing all my teachers, but one of my other teachers that has been wild in my life is Michelle Smallwright. And she has a garden in um, Virginia and she has a title of one of her, I think it's a biography, autobiography, um, behaving as if the God and all things matter. Mm. And it's really, I I feel like that is what sums up for, for me, my feeling of nature is, is the intelligence that is invisible and visible in everything around us is really this place. And as, um, a healer, I, I work in the healing realm. There is just like a wild nature intelligence that I am aware of for us people, but 
for every project even that that we are a part of that there is nature intelligence in every idea and that ideas think doesn't think like the human brain but but it has consciousness within it and this is really my expertise is my ability to translate frequency um so this might be like a little like sound like a little bit crazy but that's really the approach that i have um in my experience as a human and in my experience with the world around me. Um, one of the reasons why you were asking where I was was not just because I live in two places, but I have a ravenous curiosity for experiencing our planet and experiencing cultures and experiencing, oh my gosh, just like the beauty of the landscapes and, and the way that the water feels in, in each place. And I also love bringing people on adventures. Like like they, they're <laughs> when people are flying to meet me for a retreat, they're like, oh my gosh, I got on the plane. And I was like, oh, I just entered like the magical school bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Magical school bus. And I was like, yeah, like, let's see what this is. And so um, really going beyond the mind, which sounds crazy, but but we have the perceptions that we have and we have science and we have facts and we have all of this. And like my most favorite whimsical space to be in within myself is when I re release myself of all knowing and I allow the divine to kind of blow my socks off. Mm. And so I'm going to like give a little bit of the story. Um, this is so interesting that I'm inspired to share this, but the story. So recently we were um, boating and just like a couple of days ago, and I was taking a minute to to journal, to align in the way that I do. And already there was a lot of pleasure. Like I love being out on the boat. We were on a gorgeous island. The water is really beautiful. And I was just sort of like, okay, I know what this day is going to be. And then I played my game of like, actually, I'm going to open up to, even on this day that I know is good, I'm going to open up to the possibility of like having my socks blown off. I don't even know what that would be because already it's good. And so I got in the water and put my snorkel mask on and I had a sea bob, which like, it's just a thing that you hold onto and um, it pulls you around and it put my face in the water and it was like, whoa, there's more life here than I realized. And it was just this little like pod of life force, like two little fish, a couple sea urchins and like plants. And I had already written off that there isn't like a lot of life force in the waters here compared to other places that I've visited. And so I saw that and it surprised me in the most beautiful way. And then all of the sudden I kept like seeing more and more layers of life, of nature intelligence, like under the water and even reef that I would have described as like dead. I was able to see the life in it. And then all of a sudden a turtle popped up next to me and then the turtle swam with me and then the turtle like showed me where it lived and like put itself under this coral. And then I saw a neighbor turtle and like there just kept being all of these layers of beauty around that at first, like I had no idea was there. And even if I, you wouldn't have even have known to ask for the experience that I was experiencing. I love that. And I, feel like that is one of the ultimate purposes of immersing ourselves in nature. Yes. So I guess like that is like the whole part is my favorite thing of interacting with this intelligence. It is exactly that, like releasing your perceptions and allowing yourself to be shown something beyond your belief. I love that. So maybe over a year ago, 
I asked my Instagram followers why they gardened. Like if it was a hobby or, you know, they were really serious about growing food or um, whatever. And the predominant response, I was not, I was not expecting it, but it was people just enjoyed that feeling of awe. Like the awe of seeing a seed sprout was it for them. Like once they experienced that, that was like the hook. That was the addiction. And I uh, totally agree. I feel like it's like the gateway drug. Um, And so this sort of, it just reminds me of that. It's just, we're so, we're not oriented towards finding awe in our everyday life, but gardening is so basic and everyone can do it. And it's, uh, it allows you that sort of portal into like just being in awe. Oh my gosh. Completely. So one last question I want to ask you before we kind of wrap things up, because first of all, we do need to do like a six part series because there are so many different layers to everything and different ways. And I know that this will be a really unique episode for people listening. And the first time a lot of people have heard a conversation like this. Um, But I want to ask you if people really want to cultivate a sense of connectedness, tapping into the inner child and the inner being, as well as getting closer to nature, what would your advice be? It would be to to notice where you are led and to just let yourself be led there, which sounds a little bit funny, but in in a moment, let's let's use the the context of nature that most people are used to is like the sun, the sky, the air, the plants, the mountains, like like our animals in that way. And so in any moment, I would just come into the moment in having awareness, here I am now, and then just like gently skimming your atmosphere, the landscape around you, and just like noticing what catches your interest. It's similar to like, I I did my alignment, then I put my face in the water, and right away I was shocked that there was something interesting. Like I had been in this water for the last three days next to the boat, and I had thought there was no life force there. And then I was like, wait, here's like a little teeny plant with two sea urchins and like Mm. two fish, like that counts. And so nature is like insane abundance because no matter where you are, just like chilling for a moment and actually looking at what's around you and then finding, finding the thing that sparks your curiosity. Curiosity is is the ultimate aligner of the inner child and the inner being. And so anytime you're in that soft space of gentle curiosity, you're in the flow of you and you. Mm, I love that. Wow. I love that so much. And I think a lot of people are really drawn to try new things. I'll say, I obviously want to say gardening, but to try anything new, they have that gentle curiosity and then it's really quickly followed up by overwhelm, anxiety, insecurity. What if I'm not good? I don't know what I'm doing. So all of that is the inner child navigating lack. And so it's just gentle like, hey, if it's new, it is unknown. And so if you get a spark of curiosity and then your next thought is you don't know how to do it, you're right. You're not going to to do it. You're, you're going into the unknown. And so let's open a discovery of, of like for, I loved, I love personally to open discoveries for like a certain amount of time. And so let's say you were curious about, uh, gardening in a certain way, you know, everyone could start in a pot, for example, and it's like, oh, for eight weeks, I'm going to open a discovery and just follow this interest and just see what happens. 
Like it doesn't oh, need, I, I think it's so good to put little time frames around something like five days or three days or, or for three months or whatever, because often we go into whatever we choose has to be forever. Mm. And so just easing up that we're just in a discovery for right now, and we're just going to play a game and we're going to let this curiosity unfold. I actually have a question for you, if you don't mind. So I yeah. make bucket lists um, of experiences or different things that I'm wanting to see. And I'm curious, like, what's on your wish list in a way to witness um, something grow or like something in in nature? Like what? What's kind of on your like bucket list if you had one? Like I have two things not that are not related to growing right now, but I I have an interest in seeing the northern lights and mm. I have an interest in um seeing narwhals. Narwhals, yeah, yeah. Well, um yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm just, oh, I yes. love getting to, yeah. to answer the questions. Yes. Yes. <laughs> is it a specific type of rose? Is it mm. like, like if you had a wish list of, of witnessing nature in this way, like, do you have yeah. on your bucket list? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I totally do. And I've had this idea too of like garden tourism, um, where you design trips around going to see gardening and like sort of natural wonders, not natural wonders like volcanoes, but like, you know, these really beautiful growing spaces. Um, the Northern Lights is on my bucket list though also, but, um, so I have never seen any of the like really traditional gardens, like King Charles's garden. Um, I, I'm, I'm I want to say High Grove, but I think it's called High Garden. But um, over in the UK, but I have like a really really major desire to go experience Ireland and Scotland. Scotland is going through this rewilding effort as a country, and I really want to go experience like the natural state of the Scottish and Irish countryside. Um, Let's do that. We're going to do this together. (laughs) Open it up to other people coming to us. There we go. There we go. I love that. Oh my God, I would die for that. So yeah, that is definitely, but I have a very long list. That's a really fascinating question. Um, Okay, so an... uh, my final question for you that I ask everybody um, is what are your favorite books and in regards to gardening, nature, growing things? Yes. Um, it is the by Michelle Small, right? I already mentioned her name, but the Paralandra Garden Workbook. It's an mm. energy process for gardening and agri- agriculture and life. Oh, interesting. It's how um, co-creative science. Oh, wow. I love this. Okay. That's amazing. I'm amassing this like massive list now, which has become really fun. I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I think that we all turn to books for as teachers and it's just so informative and interesting to see what people are reading. Um, Okay. So last things I would love to know where, so people that are just jazzed about this conversation, how can they get a hold of you? Where can they find you if they want more, more Liz, more Miss Magic? Yes. Instagram, love Liz Hayes is um, honestly the best place to follow, DM. Uh, My stories are way more active than my feed. And um, it is like a consensus that everybody should be in the mothership membership, which is Mm. my membership where I am um, teaching this inner relationship of the inner child and the inner being. And we cover all topics of life, navigating all topics of life. Amazing. I will link to that in the show notes, like your Instagram, but also the mothership membership. And so people can join the membership or I know sometimes you do retreats. I know you do one-on-one coaching sessions too. Um, which I've experienced and really loved. And I think it's a really beautiful layer, even for people who have 
you know, a more traditional faith or no sense of spirituality or really devout Catholic or whatever, this, I feel like has, it's just, it's about your humanness. And so that's what I love about you is you have this vast understanding of how that plays into all the other nuances in our lives. Completely. And all of, all of it is welcome and it enhances whatever matters to you. Amazing. And you get to pick what matters to you only. That. <laughs> yes. So I love that. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. This was incredible. Oh my God. So gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you everybody for tuning in. And um, this was gorgeous. Awesome. We'll chat soon. Thank you so much. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.